Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Bobby Loveless. I'm Danielle. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and every week we interact with all our amazing listeners, and Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Man, we're going to read We're gonna read some comics, and then we're going to talk about it, and then we're going <laughs> to... And then you're going to listen to us talking about it, and you're going to be like, man, I'm going to talk about that, too. And so you send us an email or something like that. You send us a message somewhere and that's a hey damn guys and so then we talk about what you talked about when you were talking about us talking about what we read then we're going to tell you what to read and you're gonna and then it's gonna start all over and that's friendship that's a book club back to you john Ah, thank you thank you for doing that every week and we've currently got our fundraiser going on for rain this is going on till september 4th so get your donations in we have our lawrence campbell prize package part of it donated by Corey green and also lawrence campbell is throwing in an out of print bprd hardcover lawrence campbell book club member for real and he will also sketch a character of your choice inside that's pretty big i mean that's really awesome then you're going to get a signed sketchbook also included with that that's the little hellboy head sketch that Corey green is okay green book club member as if that's not enough i got a message from brendan carter hey brendan carter book club member yeah okay so this is an example of being like a really stand-up guy he thought his print that he ordered from lawrence campbell got lost in the mail and so he got a second one and then the one that got lost in the mail also arrived so he had two so he emailed back with Lawrence Campbell, and Lawrence Campbell said to just put it with the other stuff. Aww. So now there's also a signed Lawrence Campbell print. It's the print of all the Hell on Earth covers. You know how they make like one big image across oh, all of them? It's that wow. print. Oh, it's wow. signed and numbered. That's super nice. And so whoever wow. wins all the other Lawrence Campbell stuff is also going to get Jeez. that signed print as well. Isn't that Man, crazy? That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> that that is wow. That's an amazing prize. <laughs> yeah. Shouts out to Wes Maddice and Chris Freegan, book club's book club members. members, Chris Rawl and <laughs> Robert Wilson, and also Craig McKnight hey, over Craig at McKnight. Muffin But Good Vibes. Man, so many, so many book club members. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are wonderful. So check out our fundraiser. I was reading on their website. How does my donation help? It allows an average of 833 survivors to receive help through RAIN's benefits every day. It educates more than 130 million people per year on prevention and recovery through relationships with the entertainment industry, the media, and local communities. It enlists the help of college administrators and Congress. It expands on the use of DNA to eliminate the backlog of untested kits, Hmm. which is really important. And it improves laws and policies to assure that survivors get justice that they deserve. So it's a really worthy cause. You had mentioned before also that, like, we talked about this before, that they run the hotline. Of course. And all that kind of yeah. thing. So mm-hmm. We've got all these signed issues. We've got additional hardbacks. You could get both Baltimore omnibuses, 25 years of covers. So there's a lot of great prizes. Please get your donations in. All right. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. <laughs> We 
got an amazing Hey You Damn Guys from Drew Campbell. Hey, Drew Campbell. Book club member. So Drew went through and he created our timeline. Okay. Oh, nice. So on episode four, in August 14th, 2018, we discussed Almost Colossus, and it includes the dialogue, Hey You Damn Guys. Okay. So that's where that came from. All right. Right? So we all remembered that. But then he said on episode 11, October 2nd, 2018, that was the first email sent in with the salutation, hey, you damn guys. Okay. Who oh, wow. sent that in? Who was that? Uh, he went by the name of Briny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Book club member. Book club member. Yeah. Gilded him. book club member. You started a <laughs> tradition. You started a tradition. <laughs> you started a thing. That's magical. Briny. Uh, Drew said that I immediately suggest that we call the letter segment, hey, you damn guys. Okay. Then on episode 23 on December 24th, 2018, Aubrey calls an email, hey, uh, hey you damn guys. Okay. <laughs> oh. Nice. In his ending blurb. That's the so first I time that he does it. So I had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. This is just like a bunch of other people. Because we were all positively, hey, I wonder if that... No, I didn't do any of this. Well, the other thing is... I, yeah. P.S. Bonus trivia on episode 14, October 23rd, 2018, that contains Danielle's first spontaneous summary of how the book club works. Okay. Which, by the following episode, had become an ongoing segment of the podcast. I wish I had so never you, done it. He tells so, me to do it every single time now. It's, so, that since episode 14, you've been doing this. I so. feel like the joke isn't even funny anymore at this point. <laughs> I'm being quite honest. It's great. I enjoy it. <laughs> At least someone is. Bye, you damn guys. Aww. You're a damn guy, Aww. Drew. Aww. Oh, thanks, Drew. Adorable. That That's, was amazing. That was precious. That was a lot of research. Wow. Super fun. Yeah, I started including it when I rewrote my notes to uh, at the ending, so I actually changed it. Oh, nice. Hey, you damn yeah. guys in my notes. That's great. I want another hey, damn guys from Briny. I want to hear back from him. I want to touch base. I want to recap. I want to... Uh, October 2nd, 2018. You know, you know what? That's the first. Maybe I'll reach out to him. Should I reach out to him? You should reach out to him. And just say, hey, you know. We're talking about you. Hey, you damn guy. Hey, damn guy. <laughs> I'm going to tell him. Yeah. yeah. We had some feedback on Rasputin, the voice of the dragon. Did we now? That was the episodes that we just covered. Sal Vargas said, this is a good spinoff. And with very good covers. And yeah, those variant yeah, covers. We talked about those in the sketchbook. They're really amazing. Christopher Egan said, these covers are a must for me. Between the Frank Avila variant and the Cronin BDSM leather daddy bodysuit, I considered <laughs> donating this miniseries rather than the Rise of the Black Flame, but I couldn't part with these covers. Yeah, but thank you for what you did donate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So today I posted that Vanessa Del Rey variant, and a lot of people were commenting on that. Wes Maddai said, I love this piece. I met Vanessa in Maryland at a small press expo and saw this piece in person. Had her sign my trade and the variant cover inside. She was super nice, humble, and awesome. She has her own comic series called Redlands, which the book club should totally check out. It's right in our wheelhouse. Wish I could have okay. bought the Rasputin painting. It's even more beautiful in person. Yeah, so that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> I would love to see that. So we were talking about the Mike Huddleston covers of that Rasputin series and how awesome they were. Hey, John, I see you're wearing a muffin but good vibes shirt. I am wearing that. Yeah, thank you. Shout out to Craig McKnight. He's also donating a Skeleton Crew pin of the BPRD logo. That's going to go into the prize package as well. So you can win one of those. Thank you, Craig. 
Shout uh, out to you yeah. always, man. Nice. So regarding those Mike Huddleston covers, they were all done digital, I think. Oh, nice. Remember we okay. were saying that yeah. they look painted and the detail yeah. and like the linens and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So he does do a lot of that digital. His fir- his very first cover that he did was for Black Sun, which was a story that we read a couple weeks ago. That cover was the only one that he's painted. Hmm. And so that one went on sale. Wow. And so oh, wow. uh, I was talking to Ryan Yule about it. Ryan Yule. Book club member. Yeah. Club member. Yeah. Well, so, I, but digital painting is, I mean, that takes so much skill. And it's a different set of skills, but it doesn't mean it takes less skill. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I, you know, I, you have to build your own brushes. Yeah. So, when you're, I'm sure that there are some artists who build their own literal, like, physical paint brushes, but I don't know any. All the artists that I know who paint with paintbrushes, they go to the store, they get paintbrushes. You know, digital artists... I suppose you could use preset brushes, and I'm sure a lot of people do. I use them sometimes. But most of the digital painters I know, they make their own brushes. It's all kind of – you got to figure everything out. It's very complex, and it takes a lot of skill. And it you have to build a certain set of skills in order to paint canvas or watercolor paintings or, you know, whatever, acrylic oil, whatever. But you also have to build a separate set of skills if you're painting digitally. And it doesn't take less skill. It's just a different skill. I like think the, he chooses to whether do, we didn't realize that it was yeah. digital or real sure. physical. I think that said that says something about it. No, absolutely. You and know that's, what I mean? That's the thing is like even if even if he were to take whatever it is references or different materials here and there to put it into the digital painting, the fact that we cannot yeah tell that it's wasn't originally a pa- like you just said. I mean, it's just interesting that like even if it's all digital, no matter how he does it. It's skillfully done. Oh, yeah. It looks fucking good. And not everyone can just fire up a computer and fucking <laughs> make that happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just, oh, I guess I'll just go into Photoshop and do the same exact thing. In my discussion with Ryan, it was more like, oh, uh, you mean we can't buy these things Exactly, for real? right. You mean I can't buy a physical thing, thing I even if I wanted it? If, even if, if I was willing to pay, you know, whatever? I suppose if he were to do a, a run of Jaclay prints on a super humongous Epson, yeah. and it you know, looks super fancy on, like, 120 pound watercolor paper or something i mean that might be cool hayden or said hayden or book club member yeah we were talking about him last week he said another great episode thanks so much for the well wishes and the friendships you damn guys just to let you know i'm definitely doing better i just wanted to drop in and say that on this reread with you guys i couldn't help but feel like i was getting some serious venture bros vibes from this series same. Probably because I rewatched the whole series recently. You're a fan of Venture <laughs> Brothers, right? Yeah, no, it's big Venture Bros vibes for sure. Absolutely. But aside from the robot dogs reminding me <laughs> of the Guild of Calamitous Intense Diamond Dogs, <laughs> Sanhu being such a badass and being paired with a goofy agent like Trevor felt like a pairing straight out of the show. Yeah, it was great. And also anytime Kurtz and Cronin show up, they always seem to be bumbling idiots. <laughs> And they never seem to die, e- even though they should, like a pair of the monarch's henchmen. He also <laughs> said that in future series, he's going to have to pop back up and lay out his insane conspiracy web headcanon about the Frankenstein monster, Von Klemmed Cronin, and all the other biomechanical zombies and their makers in the Hellboy universe. Okay. So be ready, because I'm going right. to go all Charlie Kelly on it. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear that. All that right. is so awesome. Yeah, thank you for reaching out, man. Jerry Turnbull said... Hey, Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Remember um, 64 Baker Street was mentioned. That is the actual yeah. headquarters of the SOE. There's even a plaque on the wall 
we talked about that organization, yeah. right? Yeah, so he posted some pictures of that. I like all the historical fiction of that. That's Mark- pretty awesome. Yeah, and we also heard from Mark Tweedo. Hey, Mark Tweedo. Book club member. He's a book club member. Sometimes host. <laughs> Sometimes host. I know, we need Occasional to get Mark host. back on here. I know. He said, uh, regarding the catacombs, I want to go there someday. I visited the catacombs in Alexandria, and it was incredible. So I didn't know about this one. This uh in uh, Egypt. There's another catacomb. There's another just cavernous miles and miles of fucking human bones piled up into big piles. With I don't think that's all it is. I think like there's some of that, but there's also like just like oh. it's considered one of the seven wonders of the Middle Ages. Dang. Yeah, that sounds okay. amazing. Jeez. He also shouted out Brendan McVeigh from last week about the pub glasses. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. He said, I love when we learn about these little details. Connect all the satisfying dots. Super good. <laughs> and he definitely agrees that we need more Sanhu stories. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for all the feedback this week. That was a good roundup. I know. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, um... What's this you have here, John? What is this <laughs> that you have here? What, it, uh, what is this? Our ongoing pickle discussion. I see the best made girl. I see the best made girl, but it can't be the best made girl because it's on a beer can. What's happening here? What's going on? Yeah, I saw this today and I had to pick one up since we were, especially since we were doing the podcast. This is best made sour pickle beer made in Texas by Texans. Okay. What? That sounds awesome. (laughs) Okay. So this says, um, brewed and canned by Martin House Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? And so I cracked it open because I didn't want to get that sound effect on the episode. Not like it matters. And then I forgot that it was there. <laughs> and then I've already taken two sips out of it. And every time it kind of like throws me back a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> oh, man. It's pickle beer. pickle yeah. beer. So what do we, what's the verdict here? What do you think about this? I don't know if I can drink a whole six pack of it. <laughs> Yeah, you I say mean, that now, but by your third or fourth one, you'd be like, damn, all I want to drink is pickle beer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about this. I mean, <laughs> it's good. It's like carbonated pickle juice. You should, you should be eating a hamburger while you're drinking <laughs> that beer. I think that maybe that would, if I wasn't just drinking it straight like a beer like this. I don't know. I don't know. I I think if you were... You heard it here, folks. I don't know. <laughs> I think if you were out... Um... Give this directly to me. Let me see about this. What the fuck is this? I think uh, if you were out like in the summer... Like out on the beach or something, you could. <laughs> I I really wish I could see your face because it sounds hilarious over there. I just said an accidental impression of the kombucha girl. Oh, the- she has a name. She has a name. It's like Megan or something. She's actually pretty funny and awesome, and she has a Twitter. And I I, I feel bad for calling her the kombucha girl. But uh, no, it's at first you're like, what the fuck, and then you're like, hey, okay, I have some more of this. It's every time you take a sip, it's at first it's very like, no, Yeah. your body kind of rebels against it and you make, what's the thing where you're not in control of it? <laughs> what's the thing where you're not in control of what your face does? So after you drink it, it's like, hey, wait, that wasn't so bad, was it? That can't be as bad as I remember it. And then you take another drink. And you're like, oh, oh, it is. And when we, as soon as you're finished drinking that sip, you're like... Well, that couldn't have been that bad. You take another sip of it, and it just keeps going like that. God damn it, I wish I were there to drink some of that I know, beer. I want you to drink this so bad. I, I, I want to so, see your reaction to this so I'll see, much. Um, 
I mean, I, I I'll think, definitely think, save I, one until I'll save one for you unless it expires and I'll throw it out. But I'm not going to drink all of these. So there would definitely be one in the fridge for you if I ever, I, I whenever I see like, you. I feel like judging from your both of your reactions, I think I like this beer. Involuntary. <laughs> involuntary response is what I'm trying to think of. Okay. I think you would oh, okay. like the beer. I think there's an involuntary reaction to it when you are first drink it. You keep drinking it, though. I know, I keep drinking it, though. <laughs> Why? Yeah, our pickle discussion continues. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. But we can't talk about Frankenstein Underground without talking about Hellboy, House of the Living Dead. This is a one-shot from 2011. Remember, it was illustrated by Richard Corbin, and we covered this story way back in episode 30, our Hellboy in Mexico special. I don't know if you remember that ep- that episode. No. We were kind of drinking during that episode. So we were. So it things, might be a are fuzzy. Fuzzy. things are fuzzy. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. So I got this excerpt from the Hellboy Wiki, which is a great resource, by the way. Devastated over the loss of luchador comrade to vampires, Hellboy lingers in Mexican bars until he's invited to participate in the ultimate wrestling match with the vicious Frankenstein monster. There were also Draculas and werewolves incorporated into the story. In the end... Frankenstein rebels against his captors that were making him fight, and the vampires are killed. Hellboy and Frankenstein get drunk on tequila in a nearby bar, and then when Hellboy wakes up, Frankenstein's not there, and every it's like everybody was dead. So you know these what are I his mean? adventures, presumably. Yeah. Frankenstein Underground. Okay, so talk about this. What is the okay. Frankenstein Underground? Okay, so <laughs> so my brain is melted and. Every single time you say Frankenstein Underground, all I can think of is Sonic Underground. And I've totally merged the two in my okay. head now at this point. The, there, were, there were a bunch of Sonic cartoons. There was like the Sonic cartoon where it was, oh, we're goofy and we're just for little kids. And there was a Sonic cartoon that was like pretty fucking intense. Okay. Like the roboticized stuff of like people being fucking melted down and fucked up and turned into a robot <laughs> and then there was a fucking cartoon called sonic underground and uh, it's really dumb and so if you listen to the intro song to this cartoon it's like i don't even know <laughs> fucking two minutes long it's got God. like three or four <laughs> verses and he's really singing that song man he is singing the shit out of that goddamn song and so that's all I can think of when I see Frankenstein. It's like that uh, on Inside <laughs> Out where they just throw in that uh, toothpaste commercial like every now and again. And it's <laughs> yeah. just stuck in your head like that. Yeah. You can't get it out. Yeah, it's, it's exactly too deep that. in there. My brain's been completely melted by pop culture in general. And so I that's all I can do is just okay. sing the opening to the cartoons I don't even remember anymore. Frankenstein Underground is a five-issue miniseries published from March to July 2015. Today we're going to be discussing issues one and two. And we've got a classic lineup on this story. Written by Mignola, art by Ben Stenbeck. Hey. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. Okay, so solid team here. Yeah, and so I do want to talk about these Mignola covers. First, we've got the trade paperback cover. 
Yeah, these are amazing covers. It's so great to get some Mignola art. We haven't got that in a while. It's true. Um, he's just killing it on social media right now. Some of the paintings that he's been doing. Oh, yeah, he's been doing all oh, the sketches. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Right now, the like werewolves, the, oh, werewolves the werewolves are on, are great, yeah. on eBay right now. So, God, I'm envious of whoever gets those. Yeah. Looking at this first cover, the, the little building tower that's by, I guess, his left hand. It kind of looks, like looks like a face that you would find in Futurama. Like a oh, robot. like a robot. Yeah, that's cute. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. And then we have the cover to issue one. Oh, and I love this cover. Yeah, you kind of get that uh, statue in the background. But it also kind of looks like a heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting composition. I mean, it's good. For issue one, there was also an Emerald City Comic Con exclusive which also is a really great cover, and I think that that one will be in the sketchbook. We open somewhere in Mexico in 1956. This is directly after the events of House of the Living Dead, because that was the same year that that story took place. All right. Like sometimes guest host Matt Strackbein likes to say, reading one of these stories makes you want to go back and read another one. So go check out that one shot before you get into this if you want some extra reading. And on this very first panel, we see a Mesoamerican step pyramid. Obviously, this is a fictional story, so I couldn't find one that looked exactly like this because I looked. But it does slightly resemble a Catitlan, an archaeological zone of the early Aztec culture located in the town of St. Cecilia in Mexico. Um, so there are a lot of these different kind of step pyramids. You can check them out. We were just watching a video on social media the other day of this one that when you clap, yeah. it makes that bird sound of the Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Oh, dope. wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I have to send that to you, Aubrey. It was really cool. cool. On purpose, I think they did that. Yeah. Probably so. That's pretty great. And so here Frankenstein encounters this old woman in the step pyramid. She questions him, but he just growls because he's a monster. And he falls over. And so she sees that he's hurt here. And she puts her hand on his chest. And we get like this flashback panel. You know, in House of the Living Dead, they were wrestling and so this does look like a, you know, we see the Lobster Johnson wrestling poster and stuff like that. But I couldn't find a, a shot in that story where they're shooting at him. Um, but there was like a werewolf with a gun and there was all this other stuff going on. So I wasn't sure exactly when that took place. Well, maybe it took place like after uh, after Hellboy passed out and before he woke up. Yeah, I was thinking about so that. So that's why we haven't seen it, seen the panel of it. Well, then, because when Hellboy's drinking with him in the bar, and then he wakes up and everybody was dead all along, like, was Frankenstein really there, too? You know he's, what I, I mean? I mean, he's dead also, so. Yeah, I guess you're right. Hellboy drinks with dead people. There you That's go. been a consistent I mean, he's, thing. He is dead. He's several dead. <laughs> you're absolutely right. That would totally make sense. That's amazing. They're, they can both tap into that weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the future, but it's the past. Okay, okay. When Frankenstein awakes, he's startled, but healed. The woman tells him that he's safe there. Why does he have bolts on his nipples? Have we been over this? This is the design of that Frankenstein. I don't know. We've probably if been over this then. It was in the Hellboy in Mexico. Yeah, I, went back I just and looked like, at that. like, what are those there for? I wonder. Probably to uh, deliver electrical current to the heart to try and get it to restart. <laughs> okay, I think it's probably just because it looks fucking goofy. <laughs> That's my theory. Of course it looks goofy, but are we gotta I'm trying to think of in universe theory. <laughs> That's the Mignola design, right? Like I'll be like, Oh, I bet it's because of the electric and then we just have a cut to like interviewing Mike Mignola who's like, I just thought it would look fucking funny. It put bolts on his nipples. It 
probably means that Dr. Frankenstein was a little freaky freak. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit, maybe. Actually, the doctor's name was Victor parts, Bunch of Parts sewn together. Victor Bunch of Parts sewn together. <laughs> we do that on a t-shirt. <laughs> How did you do that, Frankenstein ass? Are you a witch? The woman finishes. I've been called that and worse. They are afraid of me because I'm an old woman who listens to the sky. And you, she asks. I am nothing, he says. When the witch tells him that he's a man, he responds, I am not a man. I'm a thing. It would have been great if she said, you're a man, and he would have been like, well, I'm several men. <laughs> but I guess his sense of humor has been beaten down. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but all this has been just in black, these last couple panels. And then we start getting all these different flashbacks. And I like the different, like... They're all kind of muted colors. Like, it's always like that, but this is like several flashbacks. Yeah. So There's it's different like, palettes for each panel. Yeah, which I really is cool. like, like that. That's really you, cool. It lets you know, like, he's in different. Well, I mean, it says Macedonia, France, Austria, which is cool, like, but it's also visually lets you know, like, by the palette that he's in a different place, he's in a different time. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's. Uh, that's pretty great. I like the colors on this page. Yeah. So this first scene is says Switzerland, 1812. I just wanted to give some historical context. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus was published in 1818. So like, did she take some inspiration from something that really happened in this universe or whatever? You know what I mean? Oh, right. Like they're saying like the thing happened and then she wrote the book. Right. Interesting. We see Frankenstein hunted. Hated and then tied up, and he's in all these different flashbacks, and caged, finally, in Austria. Whatever I was, whatever I could have been, they took it from me. Made me an animal. Well, I mean, being an animal would be pretty sweet compared to being a sewn-up, different bunch of corpses. But then they do put him in a cage. Here we see him in Mexico, 1955, so this was the year before the he's going to run into Hellboy. Right. They get the posters here, Wolf Boy and the, you know, the big lady. And yeah, the... I did see that. So, and, and this one says the bearded lady in Spanish. It's got a word bubble over it, so you can't see that. Yeah. And then Mas Pequeño, he's, little, he's a little guy. Little guy. And then, um, so this El Choco Lobos, that's um, Wolf Boy. Yeah. And so this looks like someone who has that condition. Hypertrichosis. Right. You know what that is, right? Where they get hair all over mm -hmm. their face and stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought that that was interesting how they incorporated that. But he says, then I became nothing. I stopped living and prayed for death. And so we just see him there um, totally still. And that reminded me of Roger because Roger was just right. like, and he was almost in that pose too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like he had just been dead. He knew that he was still alive, but he just like, couldn't do anything yeah yeah so that that was an interesting parallel and then he was brought frankenstein was brought back to life and we see him with blue electricity right right so is that like lightning or is that vril in this universe right oh sure right i mean it's yeah there i think that the the implication there is that it's probably vril and that's how roger was brought back to life you know yeah. if you believe that liz had the vril in her you know that's kind of um one of her powers right would you yeah. say that I'm sorry, I know yeah. the tone of this is supposed to be very, like, somber, but it's so goofy. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry, I can't take it seriously. It's so goofy. It's like, why is this fucking Frankenstein <laughs> wandering around getting into adventures? This is so silly. And so here we get that flashback to Hellboy in Mexico. This is what happened in that story, but we get it from Ben Stenbeck's point of view. So I like seeing another artist recreate panels. Yeah, you know, that's, from that's Richard always Corbin. cool. That's yeah. nice to see. 
so he's fighting Hellboy, this little guy. The, that's the little sidekick of Dr. Kogan. That's the guy that we see buying him in that top panel. And that was his little sidekick. And so, like, right after Frankenstein grabs him in this panel, there's a very grisly panel by Richard Corbin where he, like, rips this dude in half, basically. <laughs> and then on this next panel, we see Frankenstein actually over a dead Dr. Kogan. Now, in the comic, we never saw that. We just saw him like sneaking up on him and he was like, oh, no, Frankenstein, don't get me or whatever, you know, and then it, and then it cut and then it cut over to whatever Hellboy was doing because he was dealing with Dracula's and Wolfman's. Yeah. Wolfman's. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm hunted again, he says. But this time you knew to come here, the woman says. And he's like, I knew you just chanced upon this place in all the jungle. No, maybe your brain doesn't know, but you know. And so, you know, she's trying to tell him, like, he was brought there, you know, All subconsciously right, sure. or something like okay. that. She reveals to him, like, that he was drawn to this place. And we see these Mayan gods. So I was able to find this one that we see kind of, there's one that's cut off. And the next one is the god Chalk holding a human heart in his left hand and drinking a cup in his right. According to Maya cosmology... Chalk was also linked to four cardinal directions. Each world direction was connected with one aspect of chalk and specific color. And so there's the red chalk of the east, white chalk of the north, black chalk of the west, and yellow chalk of the south. And so I was wondering if that's what these four are. Collectively, these were called the chalks, and they were worshipped as deities themselves in many parts of the Mayan area, especially the Yucatan. The Mayan believed that when people died, they entered the underworld through a cave, when kings died, they followed the path linked to the cosmic movement of the sun and fell into the underworld. But because they possessed supernatural powers, they were reborn into the sky world and became gods. And so that lady mentioned earlier that she listens to the sky. Oh, yeah. And then so this is all tying into these statues that we see here. Yeah, it's dope as hell. Cool. And then so they also connect this in this universe to the Agra Jihad, right? Um, there were priests that were able to speak to the gods. Yeah, it says that people lived here, they're, they're close to their gods. The priests send their spirits out from this world to walk among them. And through those priests, the gods would speak to the people. And you see here this super cool thing of he's, you know, sending his spirit self up into the cosmos. And then the, he's still there and he's, everyone's like, hey, what? So what's going on? What's going on up there? And he's like, oh, well, this is that and the other. And yeah. it's pretty good. Well, he's also communicating with the creatures in the abyss. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. he's doing that, and they're like, hey, tell us what's going on out there. He's oh, like, yeah. well, here's what's going on. Right. All those people, they were priests. They are long gone, but their gods are still close. The walls between the worlds here are thin, so thin that sometimes we can hear the whispering of those gods. I love that, too. I like when she's talking about all the walls between worlds are super thin. And I think it's like that it's place, you yeah. know, that that's why that step pyramid is there. It's awesome. I hear because I'm old and I know things and I want to hear. Mm. And as they're talking, we get this magical mirror is watching them, right? Fuck this guy. So remember from the Universal Machine, which also took place in Abelben, France, we see a bookstore specializing in the rare, exotic, and grotesque. And somehow, somewhere inside that bookstore, the ghost castle of the Marquis Adouet de Fabre. This guy sucks. And so we see him there. Remember in that story, there was like that griffin and the manticore. We had noted that those were there. Um, so there is that continuity of this guy's like, you know, of his place. Yeah, I hate him. 
God about this, Goober. So we always talk about going back and read other stories. This one ma- made me want to go back and look at the Universal Machine. That was one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Because we know that Kate is going to take out this guy in that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very satisfying. Like, he, he does suck, but we also know that... um. He's going to have his end as well. And he's talking to one of his, like, powdered wigs vampire people. Yeah, this guy over here. He calls him Nadir, which I thought was interesting. It might be a reference to Jean-Charles Emmanuel Nadir. He was an influential French author and librarian who introduced a younger generation of romanticists to the gothic literature and vampire tales. Nice, So nice. he wrote about stuff like that. So I wonder if that's why they use that name. And here, the Marquis is telling him about alchemists. You know, we know that he's obsessed with, like, creating life. He was cons- he was obsessed with, like, the homunculus and all that. Yeah, I guess the Frankenstein is a little bit like that or yeah. different but he it's sees an similar. appeal to this he's like this is like what i collect sure or, yeah so i do want to talk about really quick this top panel um it's kind of in a purple tint and here we see frankenstein being created there's a quote from the 1931 frankenstein movie starring boris karloff call of klein as dr frankenstein delivers this memorable line now i know what it's like to be god okay yeah, so we know that Mignola is a fan of all these. Well, that's when he goes, it's alive, yeah. it's alive. Yeah, it's so. alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. In the name of God. Now I know what it feels like to be God. And then got parodied in so many movies in the 80s. <laughs> For real, yeah. What's your favorite uh, goofy-ass parody of that? moment oh weird science no okay or uh monster squad oh gosh okay uh, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i like monster squad i like that frankenstein i think i think what i like from weird science is like the beginning of the song weird science we hear like a sample from like i probably from the boris karloff movie sure. going, it's alive and it's got the oh, okay it's, it's got the oingo boingo music going <laughs> fucking love me some oingo boingo But this creature cobbled together from dead parts by a mere boy and made to live. How? And so the other guy's gross, kind of gross. The other guy's saying that he's like ugly, you know, but he's like, ah, oh, I still like this. He says, I want it. And then so we see this other little guy. He's like a little homunculus looking guy. He says, You will need a bigger cabinet. And he like throws his wine what at him and hits for? this guy in the what head. Is that even yeah. For? I didn't think he looked like a homunculus. I thought he just kind of looked like a little bit of a like a hunchback guy. Yeah, I mean, he's turned him into this. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but it also has a reference back to the Universal Machine. And in the Universal Machine, we also saw this cabinet where he had all the different spaces. And he had a space especially for the rest of Roger. Yeah, and he I think... He wanted if, that top yeah. part. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you recall the art in that book, but the he looked very much... Sim- he looked a lot closer to what roger looks like he looks very similar to like roger then like the, i think that this particular artist kind of took a little bit of artistic freedom and, and well, this of... is also in the past too yeah. this is 50 years before that story so it's it's he, he looks a little uh, different here than when we see him in the other story i think he looks a little homunculus he looks a little bit more like a homunculus in that other story mm. but know. but the marquee doesn't want to send this guy naughtier he says a gentler hand is called for and so he calls forth this princess. She's like an angel. She has like angel wings. She's all in black. The symbol that's like on the lock 
kind of looks like one of the symbols of Rasputin's space. Oh yeah, this magic. this sigil here. Oh right, yeah. It's like a you know some kind of a containing sigil of some sort. I guess I don't know. He calls this little guy that he threw the wine at Marchosius, and so if you didn't get that reference from the Universal Machine, this is a great and mighty Marquis of Hell commanding 30 legions of demons in the Ars Gosha, the first book of the Lesser Key of Solomon. He's depicted as a wolf with griffin wings and a serpent's tail fire spewing from his mouth. And so if you remember Universal Machine, Kate cuts off the Marquis's finger and throws it to this guy and he eats it and then he's freed. Yeah. So he's really this giant demon, but he's trapped. And that's what ends up burning the whole yeah. Marquis in his library. Yeah. Now I gotta go back and read that because when he was holding his hand up, I'm all like, "Man, I can't wait to see you get your comeuppance." But yeah, I guess we've, heard, I guess we've already seen it, so good job, and, storytellers. Uh, yeah, and so he holds up that ring finger, kind of taunting him with it. You know, in 50 years, this little guy will have his revenge, and so he sends her out to get Frankenstein. And he says that if she fails, I will give you to all my friends. And we see those evil vampires with the powdered wigs that we we also saw these guys in the universal machine i like this mood shot right here i wonder if that was like a direction you know from mignola mignola right, wrote this yeah. story so you yeah. know put a nice little transition shot there as we go back to the aztec cave with frankenstein and he's still dreaming about being hunted yeah i do like this art by ben stenbeck i think it's really nice oh yeah it's it's really good expressive and it flows very well. Yeah, this series, I noticed in these first two issues, a lot of this is just the art. You know, you're just kind of looking at the you're looking at the panels and looking at the colors. And again, we get like these kind of muted colors um, to indicate, you know, is he in the flashback or is he in the real time? He sees this woman. This is kind of a different incarnation of her than we saw. She's all like in the Victorian outfit. And she tells him, I promise that if you come with me now, no man shall ever lay a hand on you again. So he's almost going to go with her. And then we're like cutting back to the real world, I guess, where he's in the cave with the woman. And so she's telling him to wake up. This is a dream of his. But then when he wakes up, we see this giant crow. Nice. Yeah. So this is, so I don't know if you remember in the Universal Machine, and we're going to get to it, not only was Marchosius this little imprisoned guy, but his wife was, and she was a giant crow. And so together they both burned the Marquis thing um, at the end of that story. So we get her little backstory. So Oblifica is actually not based in like the Ars Goshar, the Lesser Key of Solomon, like a lot of these guys are. It's like the Catalog of Infernal Spirits, second edition. Oh yeah, I looked for that too. Um, I wonder if that's a reference, um, Hugo Bosson, Catalog of Infernal Spirits. Actually, when I looked that up, the Ars Gosha, Lesser Key of Solomon, like that was what kept popping up. Right. Because I guess that's the closest thing that fits the Google algorithm to sure, that. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's uh, something that's created for this story. Like we've seen with some of the other books, like um, Amelia Dunn's Secret History of the World and stuff like that. She's the consort to Marchosius, and that's that guy that's all little he's like a little hunched over guy and so she's there to get frankenstein so she bats that witch away and she like hits against this mayan relic frankenstein fights her and we can see that the marquee is watching in that mirror yeah i really like the colors on this and again a lot of it is just um 
It's just the art. It's just action. Well, I also like how it mentions that uh, she's been a prisoner of the Marquis since uh, 1482. So that means that she, I guess she and the other guy have been their prisoner for 500 years. And oh, just wow. insane to think about. Yeah. 550, and then, then they'll be free again. <laughs> Damn. In the battle, Oblifica slashes Frankenstein across the face. And so one of the commands was that she bring him back alive and unharmed. And so he's like, unharmed. He screams into the mirror and he punches it. I'm getting this like vibe of him watching this mirror. Like, you know, somebody just get upset watching their TV and then shooting it when it doesn't go the the right way. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's like, no, unharmed. He smashes the mirror. I don't know, the way he's sitting in that chair. It's just like, I can see there's like just some dude sitting in front of his tv getting mad <laughs> but he is able to do something right so then we see this lightning yeah. and oblifica is taken back and so we see him standing menacingly with those powdered wigged vampire guys they're obviously they're gonna do something bad to her then frankenstein is upset that he he went with her and that's what caused this woman who kind of like saved him you know she healed him and she heals him again right she touches that wound on his face and he heals but she dies this is how i made to pay for my crimes, he says. So he laments to these Mayan ruins. I say there are no gods and I am done with this world. Kill me if you can and send me to when he can't finish his his sentence because then everything falls apart and it's crumbling apart. He's falling down a, a big black hole. Oh no, he's falling and falling. What's going to happen? Seems that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do love the art in this. Um, I was trying to see if that was a quote from anything. As we get to the end of this first issue, you know, I do want to talk about this because what what did you think of the series, Aubrey? Did you how did you feel about oh, well, reading this? Well, I did not have the same opinion as Danielle. Sorry, Danielle, but I mean, I actually no, thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, fine. I mean, I, I like the idea that it, you know he started off as the monster and then kind of gone through the years. It's you know, and we see where he's ended up, and he's just been haunted the whole time, and now he's all like... I guess I was just kind of like, why? Why am I reading yeah. this right well, now? Well, because we have seen, like, Dracula incorporated into the comics, Right, you but know? it was for a reason. What is the reason? If I were to speculate, I would just say, they like Frankenstein, and they that's said... That's what I'm saying. That, no, this is that's the, okay. This is the one character that I want you know to pull what? into my historic fi- historical fiction and say... I'm going to do something with Absolutely. This guy. And you know what? That's okay, but let's be real about that. Let's be totally well, honest about it and say it's just because they fucking think Frankenstein is cool and they want to do a goofy adventure with Frankenstein and leave well, it there. I don't want to try and justify it any further than that because there really is no justification. I mean, there, if there is going to be justification, it's probably going to be in the issues we haven't read yet. But so far, I'm enjoying it. Plus, you know, I vaguely remember the episode where he showed up and fought Hellboy, and I honestly thought it was not the Mexico. I, when, like, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, yeah, we read this story like a few months ago. No, it was like two years ago. Right. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> no, totally. And I, I guess I personally am just like, okay, that's fine. Sure, maybe in the next couple of issues, I'll be like, oh, wow, that was very profound. Yeah. Really glad I read the story, but for now it's just like, hey, that was a goofy. Okay. That's fun. Sure. Why not have a yeah. Frankenstein? Frankenstein, that's cool. I want to listen. I want to draw and write Frankenstein comics. What do you think? Yeah, sure, man. I'll do that. I feel like that's basically what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. It's fine with that. I'm not complaining about that at all. I just want to just say that's probably what happened. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. So. Well, Mignola did uh, draw that Dracula comic for Francis Ford Coppola, and now he's like, no, I want to write my own Frankenstein story. Why not? That's a Mm. good idea. Absolutely. 100%. Go for it. 
And, he, and he's got his own Wolfman. Wolf, Wolfman. There's been a couple Wolves yeah. in, uh, wolf's in some man. of the stories. Yeah, in some man. of the stories. Wolf's, we've talked about the difference between the Wolfsman and the Werewolf. We sure have. So yeah. So he's got his Wolfman. He's yeah. got his Frankenstein. He's got a, he's done his Dracula. Yeah. Now now he just needs a mummy. There you go. <laughs> Has he? Ponya is Ponya the mummy. Oh, Ponya! Damn. There you All go. Right, so. This is a new take, though. I, I really dig Ponya for sure. Yeah. So that's a, you know, that's a new take on it. Spin it. Something yeah. new. I like that. I dig it. Abe is the creature from the Black creature Lagoon. From Black Lagoon. Especially he evolves to look more Absolutely. like, Absolutely. Super cool. Oh, yeah. What do y'all think about the fact that this Frankenstein is like, I can think and talk like a regular guy. I, there's nothing wrong with my brains, even though it's from a rotting corpse. Oh well, it throws I mean, me off a little bit. I mean, again, I, I compared to Roger. He was sure. brought back by the Vril. Ah, the Vril's doing it. And well, and and he's been around for so long. Like we saw how much Roger just in the couple of years that they revived him, he was like already taking on other people's personalities sure. and stuff like that. This guy's got years and right. years to kind of like I don't know find well, himself or I don't. What are you know. gonna say, Aubrey? What are you gonna What are you gonna say? Um, did you ever see the Kenneth Branagh Mary Shelley's Frankenstein where De Niro played? the monster and all that no okay that was it, I mean, i'm not gonna sit there and say it's great because sure. i have only seen it once but in that movie uh de niro monster frankenstein he did talk and communicate with uh you know victor and so what i was that like well i mean it's fine but i had heard that it was closer to the original story i've never read frankenstein the book so i don't know if frankenstein himself talked and all that okay. but from what i gathered from watching this movie in the 90s is that frankenstein wasn't always supposed to be as dumb as he's been portrayed oh okay so this is this is maybe more faithful to the uh yeah. source material than where we've been led to believe possibly interesting it's definitely faithful to that uh, you know uh Kenneth Branagh film Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what is your so that film you were saying it's not a great movie, but it you liked it a lot. It was great. Well, to okay. Watch so I, I I've only seen it once. Okay. I loved it when I saw it, but I've only seen it once, so I can't actually tell you if it's really a sure. great movie or if I'm just having you know clouded by memory. It was also trying to cash in on Francis Ford Coppola's you know the uh, Dracula, so the Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's right. why they called it Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Okay. It's in that kind of so it's in that same kind of vein as that. Sure. So maybe Coppola. I'm wrong. Maybe the Frankenstein well, shouldn't well, be all. He's <laughs> he's like a, well actually. Um, I do want to talk about this issue two cover. This is very reminiscent to me of the Hellboy in Hell issue four cover. Where Hellboy's yeah. like floating in the abyss with all the jellyfish and stuff like that. This cover is badass. It kind of is almost the same color palette. This looks great. Um, so I really like that. And we see Frankenstein. He's getting dragged down by a Nautilus. This is like a huge one. Hell yeah. When we ended the when we ended the last issue and turned this cover, I was like, oh my god, are we going into hell? And so I was excited. It does look like the abyss, well, right? So the Nautilus is being held up by... A big old crab claw. Oh yeah, or a uh, something. Yeah, and then, then we've got some like super cool eels. This is going great. past. Pretty cool. As we start this issue, so this was another thing from the Universal Machine, and I knew that Danielle wouldn't be happy about. I'm gonna looking pretend at that. like these two pages don't exist. So just excuse me while I'm over here not paying attention to this. So this is another callback to that story, like in that story where they were taunting Kate. These guys were constantly poking at this little bird and so they've been doing that for like 50 years you know at that point when she's finally freed and she destroys all of them and the marquee you know and the whole library and nadir here he asks the marquee what uh, what about the creature 
No, the Marquis says, I see now that there's a fire in that one that needs burning out. So that's the end of his little scene. But it's interesting to think that he did look at this creature and go, oh, I kind of... I kind of want that, but he's not, you know, he needs something that's not going to be a challenge. I pretend I do not see it. I like I like how he tried to be a cool guy about it, too. He was like, oh, I see that there's a fire that needs burning out instead of like, well, I totally made a fucking ass of myself here. So let me just right. like pretend like I gracefully exited that situation, even though I got my ass handed to me here. And we go underneath the step pyramid where Frankenstein fell. And um, I do really like the composition of this page where it's kind of two panels. We see the light coming in. Yes. That's a very Mignola-esque, you know, page right there. Oh, yeah. I really like that. And so, you know, when Frankenstein was destroying everything at the end of issue one, he said this quote, kill me if you can and send me to. And then so when he fell down, hell is what he finishes with. They were one step ahead of him. Yeah, he goes down there and he finds, um, this is all kind of narrated here. Some men believe that hell is in the bowels of the earth, and yet I breathe. My heart beats. Wretched thing that I am, it may be that I cannot die. This endless maze of stone walls, my prison forever. Or it might be someplace else. And so he's following all these caverns, and he kind of finds this swamp area. So he, And he says, I have escaped mankind. Is it possible I might? So like he's thinking that maybe he can just stay down there forever. Then here he gets dragged down by the Nautilus. Yeah, for a second I'm thinking like, oh man, don't don't drink stagnant still water <laughs> with a bunch of fungus growing out of it. But then I'm like, he's a Frankenstein. He's a Frankenstein. He can probably do literally anything and it won't affect him. Yeah, that's what makes him such a great hero too. Yeah. Or I mean, if Is you want to use that term. I don't know. He's we're, we're, We'll find out. But he is an interesting character in that way. He's, he's definitely a protagonist. Okay, he is a protagonist, <laughs> that's for sure. You know, one thing that I was reading, though, in my research on the original story is that he is supposed to be, like, really big. Yeah. Dr. Frankenstein built him with big parts, so that way he would be eight feet tall. Well, that's the thing, is that, you know, the Frank... The Fra- <laughs> that's <laughs> the for real, yeah. No, that's for real. The Frankenstein, typically, when you think about it, is supposed to be, like... You know, he's the tank. He's His thing is, like, straight. If you had, like, like a trading card with Frankenstein... You'd flip it over and the stats would be like, strength would be like maxed out. Right. And then you'd see like whatever intelligence it had, like one little bar. And it would have, you know what I'm saying? Like dexterity, probably not a whole lot. He's yeah. Like he's, you know, he's. Agility he's is not, smash, not high. Right. And so, yeah. but or maybe we're, it is. we're learning here that not only is he big, beefy buff guy who's super strong and mad. But he's also, uh, he could have you over for tea. And so it's kind of weirding me out. I'm kind of like, I don't know what this guy is about. What's he doing? And Frankenstein is dragged down by this. I really like the art here. Yeah, super um, good. Ben Stenbeck, I really enjoy pretty much anything that he draws. Um, and this Nautilus is so cool. It looks great. Yeah, it's amazing. And again, a lot of this is just um, looking at this amazing art by Stenbeck and Stewart. You know, it kind of reminded me of the Abe Sapien series a little bit, how that series was kind of like slowed down and a lot of it was very moody, kind yeah. of like this. You know, a lot of the internal monologue of what's happening but there's almost like dual monologue because we even get a different color on the word box. So it's like he's talking with someone. They call him murderer. It's true. I was hounded like an animal. I killed in my own defense, but not always. And so is this like the Nautilus talking to him? I don't You spilled know. innocent blood. I did. When I first saw that, I, I got the impression at first that it was him talking to himself. Okay. Like, oh, I'm a murderer. 
oh no, I'm not because of this. Yeah, you are. Oh, because right. you are. Ah, oh, but I'm not. Like I don't know. I guess kind of like a like a Smeagol Gollum thing. Less extreme, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then the Nautilus is totally crunched by this giant crab. And so remember on the cover you pointed yeah. out that the, it was being held on by that crab claw. Really cool. And so Frankenstein is able to escape that. He crawls up through this hole. We got dinosaurs. Yeah. Dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs. Here we say Dimorphodon. This is a genius of medium-sized petrosaur from the early Jurassic period. I love a Dimorphodon. The name means two-form tooth, referring to the fact that it had two distinct types of teeth in its jaws, nice. which is comparatively rare among reptiles. And um, I did look up this guy, so a lot of depictions almost have the snout like a, um, like a toucan, yeah, or like a like a bird beak. And you know what? Looking at this page here, I can't I can't help but think of all the uh, paleontologists or whoever you know, and working together with artists to be like, hey, so. What if we just took random animals that everybody knows and just literally illustrated them the way that we illustrate dinosaurs? What would it look like? It's like they take like a bear or a cheetah and it's basically just bones with skin stretched super tight over it and then some brown po like polka dots on there. It's like that's not what they fucking look like. I saw one that was like for the for hippopotamus. Exactly. It looks super weird, right? That's that's what you would yeah. if you just went off the skeleton, that's what it would look like, but that's not what fucking hippos look like. So all of this, these theories about how like dinosaurs probably had fucking feathers and shit. They probably looked super poofy, like big ass chickens and shit. And they probably well, they, moved super fast. These flew too. Exactly. I mean, they're petrosaurs. So, so why would they look like this? They probably look poofy like a bird. These have been surviving underground since the dinosaurs. No, absolutely. I'm not so, talking about in world. In, I'm talking about like just in general when oh, you yeah. see stuff like this. I my no, my I, mind I, immediately goes to like it's probably a big fat chicken instead. Yeah. I, Danielle, I totally agree with you there because, like, you know, it's it's like you know, like I, like I love Jurassic Park, but sometimes I sit oh, there watching this. I, I'm watching these movies nowadays. I'm like, mm, they probably had a lot more feathers on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're meant to infer that these ones have been around since the dinosaurs. Absolutely, and so you know, like you said, oh, they're yes, underground. Yeah. So they're, they're in a weird, yeah, magical yeah, underground like place. Into this, this is also this is also like not a real place. This is like in between worlds. Well. We thing. talk about the hollow earth all yeah. the time. We've seen cults worshiping the hollow earth. You know, they found a Nazi submarine down there, all this kind of stuff. We've seen the yeah. black flame and those um, Absolutely. proto guys. Yeah. I this I feel like there's a lot of nine thrice tenth yeah. million kingdom. What the fuck was that? The I'm in the nine thrice tenth thrice lands. <laughs> what is it called? The thrice tenth kingdom and the thrice ninth land? Something like that. Oh, okay. It's I think I read about it. Wait, was it the thrice ninth kingdom and the thrice tenth land? Something like tenth, that. Tenth land of the it's it's an alternate universe, but it's parallel with ours. It's kind of earlier. Do you know without looking it up? Nope. <laughs> no, I'm telling the listeners. <laughs> this this, uh, this this lady earlier, this shaman lady, she was like, "Ah, oh, the veil between worlds is so thin right here." So I feel oh, yeah. like that's literally she was talking about that spot. She was like, "Hey, right here is some stuff." And she that worships goes on the here. sky, Absolutely. but there is also stuff going on underground. Yeah, so I kind of feel like that's part of it of like um if you and I were hanging out <laughs> in that spot, right? We probably wouldn't find this place. But I think the nature of all that stuff that was going on there yeah made it so that he had access to this place. And so that's Maybe part of it of like there's weird mushrooms and dinosaurs and it's it's pretty cool. Check it out. It is pretty cool. I, I like really all this, this super fantasy. 
I love this. I, I hope that no one's listening to this thinking that I'm just like hating on this because I absolutely love every second of this. This is fantastic. Just all the, it's very um like Frazetta esque. It's just very yeah. like fucking. There's just weird dinosaur creatures and he's running around. It's weird. So so we see this pteranodon fly down and it does look like it it has some feathers on its back. Oh nice. Yeah, and it's got kind of like the Ogdruham eyes or something. Kind of <laughs> looks like Shaxx a little bit. Oh yeah. But he's not dinosaur I mean, version. Yeah, he's just kind of like a weird. Cra- I just mean like all the creatures have that kind of like yeah demon esque ness quality to them. And um, this is also some nice monster work where it kind of like, it flies up with Frankenstein, Frankenstein stabbing it, and then at the same time, that lizard monster that was there when he came out of the water, it's also like snapping at it. I love all the animal, I can see these animals moving. Um, When I see them moving in my mind's eye, it's claymation. All of it. (laughs) And it's, uh, (laughs) a lot of it is just the art, these action beats. And then so we see up in the air as Frankenstein is stabbing this, monster pteranodon they all get skewered with arrows it takes down the dinosaur and frankenstein falls through and then again we get this other flashback so it's like in this part we're flashing back and forth between two different times we cut to austria 1855 we see frankenstein go into a church and inside the church he sees the virgin mary with a sacred heart and so we've seen that imagery a lot. And so remember, you know, it made me think of uh, Hellboy in Mexico with Esteban. He had a tattoo of the Sacred Heart right. and stuff like that. And I think we've seen that even in Hell, you know, they had the banners. Uh, remember there was those uh, priests down in Hell and they had the banner and I think it had the Sacred Heart on that too. That imagery comes up a lot. And Frankenstein kind of prays to the statue, grant me a moment's peace. And again, I mean, it really kind of just slows down. This series is, it's very moody, I thought. The priest just sees him as the monster, right? He's, oh shit, it's Frankenstein. (laughs) Frankenstein's real and he's in my church. And so he just starts beating him with his cane. I feel like this tries so hard to be moody, but to me it's just so goofy. I can't, like I'm, I'm so ready to just settle into like a, a fun, wacky adventure of like, and now there are, there's a race of people under living under the ground in the weird and they're shooting arrows and at the dinosaurs and i'm like yeah this is cool and then now we're like ah i'm so tortured so sad and alone it's a little heavy-handed okay and as frankenstein's being beat he's also being beat in real time so i think like he's remembering these are beatings are happening at the same time or it's flashing back and forth those are those red panels because we see someone beating him there with like this club and Frankenstein remembers fighting back against the priest, and then we see him, he's fighting back against these underground warriors. I was trying to track this armor. You know, uh, I don't know if you know anything about armor. Do you, Aubrey? Very little. Everything I know about armor, I learned in the behind the scenes DVD extras of the Lords of the Rings <laughs> okay. extended edition DVDs. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if anyone can tell me more about this armor. The closest that I found was. Brigadine armor. It's got plates riveted into a leather jacket with additional armor protection. It just, again, this all looks like Frazetta stuff. So whatever yeah. he was referencing. For real. That's what this is. It's really cool. So Frankenstein is now fighting off these guys and the colors just go wild. It's been like really muted up till this point or kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Like the purples have been kind of soft, I guess. Yeah. And 
you know, and here yeah. we get like the reds and the oranges as Frankenstein is fighting back and action colors. This Ben Stenbeck work is amazing. I really love this. It's great. Yeah. Nobody likes me. No, I don't have any friends. And we <laughs> Frankenstein gets imprisoned again. I mean, he can never get a break. He's a monster. Everyone's going to try and uh, capture him. And so here we see him in binds. And then he's also in the flashback. He's leaving the church. I guess maybe he killed that priest. You know, they were calling him murderer. He was hearing all of that. So maybe this is what he was referencing. And so these underground warriors or whatever, they have all these other slaves too. You know, so I was wondering, like, what are these two different people? Uh, You know, what is going on here? They have Frankenstein as well. And they take him into the bottomless pit where everlasting ruin awaits him. Cool. Sounds like fun. Let us see him no more forever. And so they're taking him through all these caverns. And it leads to this underground palace we see in this last panel. And so one thing I thought was interesting is um, on Hellboy the Island, there was a castle. It was also kind of this color. And the doorway was red. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that really Ah. stood out to me where I was like, oh, that's kind of that kind of reminds me of the island. Good stuff. I feel like the story can't decide whether or not it's a goofy fun romp through fantasy land of just the most extremely wacky things that you can think of or if it's serious business we're so sad all the time and doesn't it make you think and i feel like the no matter how hard you try to cram those things together they're not gonna fit okay in the same story i don't know i'm enjoying it i think it's great the art is fantastic i'm having a fun time with all this cool fantasy stuff it's fun it's a fun little oh man frankenstein he's a sad boy He's going to have a journey to the center of the earth. He's a sad boy having a journey to the center of the earth. There you go. But where's Hellboy? Like, where are any of the characters that I... Hellboy is 1956. We're in the 1950s series already. I just feel like we're watching Frankenstein go through all this stuff that we, like, already know about, and we haven't seen anything new. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, the Marquis. He's going to do that thing that he did last time. Oh, he's a bad guy. So now I'm just like, I want to read the rest of these issues just to find out if there's any, if I get to anything that I'm like, oh, that's why. Okay. That's why I'm reading a story about Frankenstein. Okay. Maybe it's just a little slower pace than I think we're used to. And I think maybe, yeah, you probably have to read the rest of the issues. So I think that'll be an interesting discussion for our next episode. This is one of those instances where I actually haven't read the rest of this. So we always talk about, oh, I'm lucky I get to read the whole thing all in one go. Well, I've only read these two issues. Yeah. So I sincerely do not know the rest of this yet. I'd be interested to what our listeners felt like after the first two issues. You know, normally we'd have to wait a month. You guys would just have to wait two weeks. Right. um, Because next week we are going to take the week off. um, But I will throw together an outtakes episode for you guys. Uh I have plenty of content. Maybe we'll get some Matt Strackbine and some Mark Tweedell too. For some of the outtakes uh, with them, yeah. <laughs> this pickle beer is not terrible. I didn't say it was terrible. It is very weird. It is weird. Then the next one you have, you're like, hmm, you know, this is better than I was thinking. And by the third one, you'll be like, mm, I love this it's beer. Literally, it's <laughs> literally the kombucha gif. And don't forget to check out our fundraiser that is still going on. Oh, yeah. um, it's still going to be going on, even though we're taking a week off. I'll still be posting about it. Can't stop, won't stop. So please support that cause. We're going to take a week off. We're going to give you... John's going to make a outtakes episode. And Aubrey's going to say all the things. 
All right, everybody. Frankenstein Underground. Did you enjoy it? Or do you think it was goofy? Send us a hey, you damn guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website. As always, a special thank you to the Side Street Steppers for their wonderful theme music they did for us during this pandemic. So thank you guys. We love it. Always thank you to Mark Trudell for helping with the reading order. And always thank you, John, for making us sound like we're awesome because we are awesome but john just brings out the awesomeness of our awesomeness and next week you'll hear all the stuff that i didn't think was awesome but you're gonna listen to it anyway uh, it'll still be this. awesome i do not prefer uh, you can find the podcast on podbean apple podcast spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast from next week we're getting goofy with our outtakes episodes and we'll be Whoa. back in- and a couple, we'll be back in like two weeks for the continuation of the Frankenstein Underground story. So you know what to do. Pop back in your chair or in your car and just chill out and listen to us be goofy. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Frankenstein Underground. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace. And now I'm hunted again. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs>